everyone. Welcome to another week of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm Florence Bremer. I'm an attorney in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm a mother, a wife, a movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, amateur restaurant critic, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a podcast for attorneys and business owners and we deal with time management issues and tips for living your best life. This week, I'm going to talk about oral arguments. And before I talk about that, I just wanted to share something that I saw on Facebook. My friend from Illinois did a post because it's very, very, very cold on the East Coast right now. So everybody that way, stay warm. I hope you can not have to be out on the road and can and can be cozy and um and safe but she was saying that it's cold but she feels blessed because eight years ago she was diagnosed with cancer and she beat it and so a cold day that ain't nothing to her it's a blessing it's a blessing to have a another day and it just got me thinking that with having things like being extremely busy or having an extremely full calendar or having lots of family members or friends who need you, all of that's a blessing. And I need to remember that more. So the big topic I wanted to talk about today was preparing for an oral argument. In, in my line of work, we have oral arguments in front of judges quite a bit. And I over the years, I prepared a little checklist that helps me with the preparation of them. I wanted to do this or this um, talk today because about a week ago, I was volunteering at the federal clinic. I am there like once a quarter. And a young woman who came in and she was doing her own case and she said, what's an oral argument and how do I prepare for it? And I said, yay. <laughs> This is one of my favorite things to talk about. It's not one of my favorite things to do in oral argument because it's so stressful, but I love to talk about the preparation of doing an oral argument. I know that sounds crazy. So I've been arguing cases before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals since 2001. And you can't you you do have oral arguments at the trial level, but when you have an appeal, and your case gets set for oral argument, that's a very big deal. I've never had a case that's been set for oral argument before the U.S. Supreme Court. I haven't been that lucky to, to go there. Maybe one day I've had cases filed there, but I haven't had one that has gotten chosen. So um, I've argued many times before the Ninth Circuit, which is, a, it's a big deal. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's very stressful. Um, it's a lot of preparation. Not everyone does it as part of their practice. So I feel honored to be part of a practice that allows me to do that. So I've argued mostly at the courthouse in San Francisco. And this courthouse, the appellate courthouse, it's this big, beautiful, imposing building. I don't think they give tours. <laughs> um, I'm not sure when I check in, there's security and you have to show your ID, and you have to tell them where you're going. But there may be some sort of public, I mean, it's a courthouse, there should be some sort of public um, 
uh, tour or something. So if you're in San Francisco, I'd encourage you to, to check it out there. They do have a big library, so they it must be open to the public. I've also argued at the appellate courthouse in um, Pasadena, which is a much smaller courthouse, and on my federal cases at various universities. So the Ninth Circuit will sometimes travel. The Ninth Circuit has courts in San Francisco that has been 90% where my oral arguments have been. And like I said, I've also had um, the, the two in Pasadena a long time ago, and they also have them in Hawaii and Seattle and Alaska, but I've never been lucky enough to go there because my cases are in Arizona. About the farthest I'm going to get is um, San Francisco. They're, they wouldn't send me to Hawaii, unfortunately. Also, the Ninth Circuit travels sometimes, and they'll go to different use of universities so law students or college students can sit in on the oral arguments. So the very, very first oral argument I ever did was at Stanford, and I've also done them at ASU and U of A. And the one in Stanford was my first oral argument ever. And I didn't realize it at the time, but the Ninth Circuit, the panel was being very nice because they had all these students watching them. So for a while, it gave me a false sense of uh, security on what the panel would be asking. Um, when you're in front of um, one that's at the school, they let you get into more of the facts, that sort of thing. But when you do an oral argument that's just at the court, they, and, and people will visit. Like I've, I've, I think every single oral argument that I've ever been to, the courtroom is full and it looks like groups that appear to be students um, oftentimes or maybe just members of the public because it can be pretty interesting but when you're in the courtroom setting the judges are hyper focused so over the years I've developed a checklist to prepare for oral arguments and this checklist can be modified for state appellate level cases and trial level oral arguments for the same checklist, you can use it for your speeches, too. I know that every, not everyone who listens is an attorney. So this is one of my more specific law podcasts. Um, I usually do kind of general business things. But you can use this for anything that you need to prepare for. So if it's a speech or presentation at work, you can use this. And it especially, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about is when you have to travel and prepare for those presentations. It also incorporates what you can do when you're traveling. If you're not traveling, just take that stuff out and then use the checklist that I've developed. So when you first get the notice that your case is set for oral argument, the first thing I do is just have a mini panic attack. Just panic, how am I going to do this? What do I need to get done? What do I need to prepare for? What is this case about? J just let the thoughts fly. And then I calm down. And I take an hour or two and just remember the case. When you have a case set for appellate oral argument, it's most likely been six months to a year since you've submitted your opening brief. So you haven't looked at that case or thought about that case in that amount of time. So... I will skim the brief, 
so I can bring the case back into mind. And then I start thinking about potential high points for an oral argument. Your oral argument is set about two to three months in advance, so you do have time to let the case roll around in your brain. And I'll get it into it a little bit more later, but when you're thinking about the oral argument, you're not doing a soup to nuts presentation for the court. I try to think of three to four of my strongest points and have an outline that I intend to prepare. The next thing I do is plan my travel. Like I said, most of my trips are from Phoenix to San Francisco, so I pick a flight that works best with the time of the oral argument, and I make sure that I never have an issue with needing to hurry to and from the airport. So for the oral arguments, I always get there the day before, and in fact, if the court is um, has scheduled you for oral argument and you're coming from Phoenix, they do expect you to get there the night before and not try to come in on a 5 a.m. flight. I find a hotel that's in a good location to the court, but also has good restaurants and coffee shops nearby, which as you can imagine, is not hard to locate in San Francisco. I plan my flight to leave the day before. I leave generally early in the morning even though my oral argument is not until the next day, so I can have time to solely concentrate on the oral argument. Over the, I, I used to take the first flight out, and I did this for many years. I would take the 6 a.m. flight. I've realized that's most of the time a little bit too early. If you're taking a 6 a.m. flight, you're getting up at 2 in the morning, and um, you just you just don't need that. You're just going to be jet lagged and thrown off. So I look for more for like a 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, 1 p.m. is pushing it a little bit because I do like there to get there early enough to get settled in. For my return flight, I make it the same day as the oral argument. So I'm doing, I'm coming in one day, I'm leaving the next day, but I make my return flight as late in the afternoon or make it in the evening on the day of the oral argument so that I'm not sitting with my suitcase at the oral argument. So even though your oral argument is usually set at 9 a.m., you are set at the same time as everyone else. So you might sit through five or six oral arguments, and you might not get out of court until noon. So if you're planning a flight at 1, not a good idea. So in any sort of situation where you're traveling, you want to give yourself a cushion. I also don't mind taking a little bit of a later flight because once I'm done with my oral argument, I can have a few hours to shop or go to a restaurant, whatever I feel like, something touristy. So three to four weeks before the oral argument, I pull cases that are cited in all of the briefs. Not every single case because some of these cases are just general principles. So I don't need those ones. But I shepherdize all the important cases and I see if there's any new precedents. I make a binder of the cases. I know this is a, a waste of paper, um, or some people may think it's a waste of paper, but I need to have paper versions of the cases because I write in the margins as I study the cases. Shepherdizing the cases and checking if they're new precedents is very critical. 
One of my worst oral argument experiences was that on the way to San Francisco, I found out that the Supreme Court of the United States overruled my best case. And in retrospect, I was still sort of a baby attorney at that time. In retrospect, I just should have walked up to the oral argument and said my case was overruled. There's nothing else I can add. Instead, I tried to come up with some crazy argument to get around it. And I was just sweating bullets while the panel looked at me like I was a crazy person. One to two weeks before oral argument, review the briefs again and review the trial record as well. This can be difficult if you're dealing with a 30-day trial or a long trial. So then narrow down what you think will be the most relevant issues and questions and put as much as, as you can on your laptop or tablet. I own four iPads, including an iPad Pro, a MacBook Air, an iPhone, and an Apple Watch. And I use all of these tools for the oral argument preparation. So I try to limit the amount of paper that I bring to the hard copies of the briefs and the paper copies of the most important case law. And then all of my transcripts, excerpts of record, these are all on a tablet and they're easy to access. One week before oral argument, find out who's on your panel. Who are you speaking to? So do some additional case law research to see if anyone on your panel has ruled favorably or possibly unfavorably in cases with issues similar to your case. In the weeks before, have a mini moot argument. There's several ways this can be done. One is to gather everyone at your office and argue the case. My the everyone in my office is two other people, but it's good enough to do it. Sometimes I'll order pizza and I'll just talk through the case while these poor girls have to listen to me. Another is to pull a lawyer aside, a friend of yours, and just tell them one of the points of your case and what is bothering you about it. You may get a fresh perspective. Another is to take a lawyer to lunch and just ask if you can run the case by them. My favorite tool of this mini moot argument is telling a non-lawyer about the case and hearing their reaction. My husband is great for this, and he gives great pointers on what does not make sense in what I'm saying. I'm sure he's tired of it after all these years, but he is such a common sense guy that it really helps me. The day before I travel, I clear my schedule as much as I can. The day before I travel, and, and you can avoid some things and you can avoid others, but to the extent that I can plan it, I try to have that as a clear day. If I have to have a meeting or two, that's fine. If I'm scheduled in court, there's nothing I can do about it. But I really, really try to keep that clear. I try to use the day that day to start an in-depth review of the case law and start fine-tuning my outline for oral argument. Because by this point, my outline is all over the place. I just have very big points that I've been pulling from all this information. And the big thing of preparation is just reviewing everything that's happened. My outline is, devel is usually developed more from important case law than the actual briefs. The reason why is that the judges have read the briefs, so I don't need to retell the judges what are in the briefs, and I'm trying to emphasize points in the oral argument that will get attention of the court. 
Again, on the travel, if you're traveling out of state, you need to leave the day before. That way you can deal with any airline delays much easier the day before with the morning flight than on the day dealing with a morning flight on the day of oral argument. I always leave in the morning, even though I have the, the whole day. I work every moment that I'm traveling on the oral argument. I work at the airport. I work on the plane. And being out of the office, I can concentrate just on this case. I also try not to work on other cases until my oral argument is over the next day. It helps to just focus on this one case. My biggest revelations for the oral argument generally come to me on this date, this day before. I continue working at the hotel. I'm a Starward's preferred member. Um, so that's like the Sheridan and Weston. And now it's merged with Marriott. So now you have all the Marriott's as part of it too. And at these hotels with my membership, I generally get early check-in. So I'll check in early and get set up in the hotel room. And I spread out all over that hotel room, all over the desk, the chairs, the bed, the bathroom, like you name it. I have everything everywhere. Um, like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind, I am spread out all over working. During that day that I'm there, I have a great meal. And I generally will be work working while I'm eating. But having a great meal softens the blow of it. Also, I take a walk. I take a long walk on that day. And after hours and hours of nonstop working, you have to clear your head. I try to take a walk during the afternoon or early evening. And while I'm walking, I clear my head slash just let ideas come to me. Um, what, because I don't have a pen in my hand, a phone in my hand, a book in my hand, a stack of papers in my hand, ideas will just come. And I can kind of think through maybe something that's puzzling me, or I might not think about the oral argument at all. I might just try to clear my head. Try to go to bed early, um, also on this night. I will go to bed early, but with all the stress of preparing, I may not fall asleep right away. The nice thing about a hotel room is it's very good about light for reading. Um, you usually have the little headboard sconces and a table lamp and a lamp on the other side of the room. So you can turn on the light and work a little bit. And I just kind of keep everything I need within reaching distance. So if I need to... Um, if, I can, if I'm having trouble falling asleep, I'll read in bed for a little bit. Or I will, um, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I might do a little bit more work. This is not an ideal. This is not how you should be every day. But this, I noticed, happens to me working oral argument. For the oral argument, like I said, I prepare a three to four point oral argument. During this day before, I'm re-skimming case law, the briefs, and the record. I'm also doing a lot of talking to myself in the hotel room. And I talk out loud when I do this because I'm getting used to saying different words that may be in the case law or 
just getting used to saying my client's name over and over again um, and saying it out loud. I, if anyone walks by my room, they might think I'm a crazy person, but speaking what you're going to be saying the next day is a great preparation. I then pretend that I am the judge asking questions and then answer them myself. I play devil's advocate quite a bit. That When you get to an oral argument, the judges are never going to say to you, you have an amazing case. That will never happen. What they're going to say to you is they're going to point out your worst points and see what you have to say about them. So luckily, no one sees me doing these exercises or they would think I was nuts. And maybe people listening will think I'm nuts. But this is my process. And I do find it very helpful to say the words out loud and get comfortable talking about the case. So now we're at the day of. What do I do? I wake up early. I get up at 5 a.m. even though I do not need to be at the court until 9 a.m. I work from the time that I get up, even while I'm blow drying my hair. I will usually get room service breakfast to maximize my preparation time. I show up up at the court 30 minutes prior to check-in. And before the judges come in, I try to find opposing counsel and chat about where they're staying and the restaurants they've eaten at since they've arrived in town. No reason to make it heavy and talk about the case. I also look around the courtroom and just enjoy it. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals courthouse is so beautiful. It has breathtaking frescoes, stained glass, marble floor. I have never been in another courthouse like it that is so awe-inspiring. So then the oral arguments start. And like I said, you might have six or eight all scheduled at the same time. I may have to wait a few oral arguments before my turn. For me at that time, it's over in terms of trying to reread the briefs or the case law. So I'm generally half listening to the oral arguments and the types of issues the judges may be focused on, even though these cases will have nothing to do with my case or my issues. But it might just give you an idea what how the panel's mood is that day. Listening to the other cases can give you an idea on what judges are more chatty or if a judge is in a bad mood. I'll also re-skim my outline that I've created for the oral argument, which again only includes three to four big points. So now I'm at the oral argument. Anyone who has done an oral argument will tell you the same thing. The attorney has very little control on how the argument progresses. As I said previously, my outline is three to four points. I'm lucky if I get through two of them. The judges know what they want to ask about. And as the attorney, you can only go with it. Sometimes the judges will hammer something about a case or some area of the record. If it feels like they are really bothered by that point... you cannot get anywhere in your argument. And if if you're real if 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 it's becoming an issue at the oral argument where they're hammering about you, you can ask if you can do a supplemental brief on it or a case citation after the oral argument. After it's over, I generally walk out with the opposing counsel, shake hands, and commiserate a little bit about the oral argument and congratulate him or her on a job well done. Now we're at the after after. So I've left the courthouse at this time. And as stated previously, 
I try to book a hotel where I can get late checkout. And that's generally, you know, with my um, Starwood membership. And I might lay down for a bit, check emails, check into my office, get back to reality on my other duties. I try to take a flight that is in late afternoon or evening. That gives me a few hours for a nice lunch, a walk, maybe some shopping. The thing that I don't do, think about the case anymore. Or at least I try not to. You can have those really bad oral arguments where it feels like the judges hate you and are having a love fest with the opposing counsel. Even if that's the case, you can't relive it. It will just stress you out unnecessarily. I pack all the oral argument materials in my suitcase so I can't look at any of it on the way home. I relax on the plane ride home, usually watch a movie. Um, You have a ton of stuff to do at the office tomorrow, so no need to get stressed out. Please enjoy these tips. I've developed them over 20 years of conducting many dozens of oral arguments before the Ninth Circuit, the Arizona Court of Appeals, and the the trial courts. So I hope you enjoy. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and I have a commercial that I'd like to read. Our new sponsor is Mackey Insurance Group. Mackey Insurance Group is an independent insurance agency located in Anthem, Arizona. Tim Mackey and his staff represent over 30 of the top insurance carriers in the industry, whether it be auto, home, commercial, Medicare, life insurance, Mackey Insurance will find you the right coverage at a highly competitive price. Mackey Insurance is a proud member of the Business Network of Anthem since 2005. The Business Network of Anthem are local names you can trust. Mackey Insurance can be reached at 623-551-3585. They're an Arizona insurance agency. Like I've said before, um, I've been lucky enough to have people who listen at all all over. I was looking at the stats last week and my big markets were Nashville and Maryland. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So again, thank you for the people who are, are finding me. I really appreciate it. I'm going to do just a, a brief little um, streaming suggestion if you're looking for something to watch. Um, two really, really funny shows that are on currently and also... Um, I think are both on Netflix and Hulu where you can watch the past episodes. One is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, previously on Fox, just resurrected on NBC. This show has been consistently funny since day one. It has a great ensemble cast. I love this show. I also recommend The Good Place. It just ended season three and it's a comedy. It's funny. But it's also so thought-provoking. It talks about philosophy and religion and death and life and all in a comedy setting. Um, Another little thing I love about The Good Place, this might be my own little private thing. Um, The Good Place is filmed almost exclusively at Universal Studios. And in the past few years, I've had a um, pass for Universal Studios. And so I get to see the different places that they'll use on the sets. They use what previously was um, considered uh, like 
Europe. <laughs> Lots of things have been filmed there where they'll say it's Europe, like the old time monster movies. And they have this um, area and they've made it the good place. And the Jaws pond is there. And they've gone to the Jaws pond and, and filmed a scene there. So I just recognize the different places and I like it. Another show I really like, and I think I've mentioned it before, is Gotham. Gotham is in its last season. It has a mini season and it's finishing up. It's a prequel, sort of. I guess you could say it's a prequel. It's about early Batman. So if you think about the Batman movies, you're either dealing with him as an adult. In Justice League, you're dealing with him as a adult in his 40s, if you're talking about Ben Affleck. And then you have stories, um, some of the Batman movies have the origin stories where, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents get killed, and then flash forward 20, 25 years later, and he's already Batman. So this is how he gets to be Batman. So it started with his parents getting killed, but it doesn't do that too much as like a big origin story. Um, and he's trying to find his parents' killers. And that's really a lot to do in season one and season two. And as the show has progressed, it's really become more about the villains. And so it's the introduction of the Joker. And the, he may be my favorite Joker in any Joker um, uh, presentation, you know, the old, the older 1960s Batman or any of the Batman movies. I mean, you even have Heath Ledger as the Joker winning the Oscar. Um, but this may be one of my favorite portrayals of it. It is, and I can't think of the young guy's name, but he's plays one of the um, kids in the Showtime show Shameless. And I've seen him in some different um, TV shows and movies too. And he switches it up how he plays the Joker. And I don't want to spoil it. And I don't want to spoil why that's happening. Um, but he's done it a few different ways. And I really like it. There's a really, really good actor who plays the Riddler. And the Riddler, um, it seems like they're insinuating that he has um, multi-personality disorder. So that's very interesting. A very good actor for the Penguin. Um, this lovely young lady who plays um, a, a teenage version of Catwoman um, and is friends with Bruce Wayne right now. And then you have a ton of other characters thrown in. You have Two-Face and Mr. Freeze, um, uh, Poison Ivy, like you name it, these characters are in and they're kind of coming and going. And so now it's the last season and it's sort of... Um, Wrapping up in the show, Bruce Wayne is probably 17 or 18. The kid who plays Bruce Wayne is really good. He's grown up on the show. He must have been 10 or 10, 11, 12 when it started. And, and now he's a young man and does a really good job. It's a show I really recommend. It streams on Netflix and um, it's really good if you like superhero shows and like really, really long origin stories. All right, so those are my recommendations for the week. I'll be ne back next week with a new podcast. I'm recording this one a little bit early this week. I'm taking off for the weekend to spend it in Disney. In the next few weeks, I'll give a little review of how my trip went. I'm It's a girl's trip. My husband's staying home, but I'm taking my three daughters and my niece, and we're trying to do a very compact trip, so I'll let you know how it goes. I'm always trying to find a way to do a theme park in a pretty efficient manner. Um, I try not to be too um, 
you know, too strict about it. I want to have a good time. I'm there to have a good time. But at the same time, I want to make sure everyone experiences everything and we do what we need to do. So thank you very much. And I will talk to you next week. You can reach me on Facebook under my name. You can reach me on Instagram, Florence Legally Brunette, Twitter, Florence Law, Tumblr, Florence Legally Brunette, my website, brummerlaw.com. And you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.